Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me as always is the maestro of mail order mysteries, Eddie Guevara. Also co-hosting with us tonight is extraordinaire chuck caputo gentlemen how's it going all right pretty good fantastic over here joe fantastic awesome before we get in our conversation today i just want to let our listeners know that you can find this on youtube we have tons of cool videos so if you like what we're talking about here talk about the same stuff over there on youtube so check us out under house of the unusual subscribe to our page like our videos and check back every day because we're constantly putting up new videos. Also, check out Sherry Caputo on Facebook, and that's C-H-E-R-I. And Chuck also has some great videos on there with some of his horror magic. So definitely check that out. And also, houseoftheunusual.com. We have a bunch of great stuff on there, a free forum site, a blog, always putting up some different stuff. So if you've got pictures of your collection and you want to show them off, that's the place to do it. So, all right, gentlemen, let's get into it. Chuck, what's new? I, you've been having a uh, a pretty busy season, I've been hearing. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. I finished up a ton of shows. I'm still doing them. Uh, they start back up Saturday, so I'm kind of I'm kind of chilling a little bit, just trying to take it easy. And uh, but I tell you, it's 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 been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of hard work, though. Awesome. Now you sent me a email. I guess you you watched uh, the Thirteen Ghosts. Uh, was this your first time seeing it, or? No, I saw it about 15 years ago, but I forgot a lot of parts of it. And I just went on to, we have a, we have a kind of a strange cable system. So I kind of searched it and I said, Oh, here it goes. So I, uh, so I have a uh, view uh, finder, you know, one of those view uh, ghost viewers. And I, I sat down with it and man, I'm telling you what, it even works on the TV. It's, it's, it was an amazing, amazing movie, Joe. I tell you what, that's probably up in the in the top 10 movies. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you know, like as far as the ones that I like, it's probably up in the top 10. And that was directed by a really, he was an ingenious man, William Castle. I mean, for a 1960 movie to come out with these ghost viewers, you know what, like the one part, if you don't want to see the ghost, well, then you look through the, through the blue, I believe. And then if you look through the red, you can actually see the ghosts. I mean, by, I mean, by today's standard, you know, not not quite up to what it should be, but for 1960, it was great. It's a great story. So you know what, all the listeners out there, if you want to see an excellent movie, watch the 1960. Uh, third. Yeah, I tell you, that is it's one of my my favorites, and I watched it too with the Illusiono glasses, and you know, ended up buying a pair of my own after I, I first watched the movie. <laughs> I use 3D glasses, you know, the old style ones. Watching, yeah. so I was like, I got to find an Illusiono pair, you know, and watch it with that. And man, it, it's cool. The and I tell you what, there's some good comedic aspects in there too. I, I love when the wife calls her husband. They're like, "Yeah, they're taking the furniture again." And it's like no big deal, you know. <laughs> oh man, that was hilarious. And then, uh, I, 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 you know, I couldn't imagine my wife calling me and saying, "Yeah, they're taking the furniture again." <laughs> I, I'd be rushing home and being in a you know, a frenzy and all that. And it's just like, Oh, well, it's happening again. And yeah, he goes, okay, dear, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not much of a problem. And uh, you know what? Uh, They had Margaret Hamilton do a nice part in there. And I think you mentioned before that they kind of, they kind of tipped her a little bit about the wizard of Oz, which was cool. They mentioned a few things that, uh, you know, you you know, they kind of led to what she acted in the wizard of Oz. Uh, uh, Martin Milner was in there. He did a really good, really good uh part it was it was just a it was an all-around good story man and i thought the daughter was a very good actress she was a very 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 attractive woman um i can't think of her name right now you probably know who she is was that uh, joe morrow yeah joe yeah joe morrow yeah and you know what uh the thing i like to do joe is kind of like check up on the actors like you know where they're at if they're still alive she's still alive she's in her early 80s i believe uh, the kid that played the boy in there, that was a, that was a young boy. And, uh, he, he passed away a few years back. Yeah. Martin Milner. <clears throat> well, well, with the young kid in there, um, let's see, what was his name? Oh, um, but, uh, Charles Herbert. Yeah. Charles Herbert. You know yeah, what? That's what? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the son. Right. And I think what I read Joe, by the time he was 12 years old, he could not find an acting job because it happens to so many of these young child stars 
which is unfortunate. You know what I mean? He was, he was like pretty washed up when he was 12. So he kind of got into drugs and so forth. Uh, Yeah. You know what? And that happened so many times, you know, uh, uh, the guy from uh, uh, the Donna Richo, Paul Peterson, he actually started a group, you know, what to like help out some of these child stars, you know, and stuff like that, because, you know, they go through a transition and then when they hit a certain age, it's a, it's like their career is done by the time they're 10 or 11 years old, man. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times too they get, you know, at that young age and their brain developing, and they get used to all the fame and attention. Yeah, and then it's almost like when it's cut off cold turkey, it's you know they don't know how to proceed in life because they're so used to something and their brain has developed into that yeah. Yeah. that they're trying to adjust to something new. And Absolutely. I don't think most of the times that they have the support there that they need, and unfortunately, no. you know, they turn to drugs, alcohol. You know, end up getting depressed, and then you know sometimes you get suicide and all that. You see that a lot of with the uh, the old time actors. There was one, um, even uh, what was I think it was Alfalfa from um, oh, from Carl, Our Gang. Yeah, Carl Schweitzer, I think his name was, wasn't it? Yeah, he had a lot of issues like that, and you know ended up in in his. I think what he killed somebody, wasn't it? And then he died. Yeah, he got shot. He got shot in a bar or something. I think he was in his early thirties, maybe or twenty nine. Some are you talking there. about Alfalfa? Yeah, you Carl. About? Yeah, Carl Schweitzer. I think his name was from the yeah Alfalfa from the Little Rascals. Yeah, what happened? He had an argument over a five dollar loan. Yep. I think he had loaned somebody five dollars that didn't pay him back, and somehow they killed him for the process. Yeah, I tell you what, a lot of those kids from our gang died young, man. If you if you look them up, you know what? There was even a rumor, like a so called curse or what have you. But Froggy died on a died on a motorcycle accident. He was maybe fourteen, fifteen. Uh, Darla, the pretty little girl, she was forty nine, I think, when she died. I mean, there's a lot that really died pretty pretty young from our gang. You know, I, I was just talking to a buddy of mine about that uh, Sunday because usually I'll meet up with him on Sundays for for coffee and we'll watch an old serial or movie. And um, usually while we're watching it, you know, we'll look up the actors and actresses just to you know see what they're doing, see a little bit about them. And I, I even told him, I said it's it's unbelievable how many of these golden age actors and actresses die at such a young age. Yeah, it's amazing. And I tell you what, one of the biggest things I've found that they're dying, that most of them died from, whether it's in like their 30s, 40s, or 50s, was from lung cancer because they're all heavy smokers. Oh, all heavy smokers. <laughs> yeah. You know, because that was, you know, it was, that's, you know, that the height of smoking and they had, it was all in TV shows, movies. It was in advertisements. Doctors were saying, yeah, you know, smoking menthols is good for you. So everyone's <laughs> out there smoking and oh yeah, they all developed lung cancer and, and they died at a, at a very young age. Uh, and I mean, you'll get a few of them that, you know, live to their eighties, nineties, sometimes even, you know, a hundred, yeah, but, but not majority of them, majority of them were, were young. And even, you know, especially some of the, um, some of them died even younger, you know, from, uh, problems with alcohol, you know, liver cirrhosis or, Absolutely. you know, mixing alcohol with pills and then overdose. So it's, it's sad to see all these golden age, you know, actors and actresses that, that went that way because there's so much more that they, they could have done. So, I mean, when our people out there are listening, you know, if you're watching an old black and white movie, just look up the, you know, the people in it and you'll find most of them probably died at a relatively young age. Yeah, they did. Hey, Hey, the guy that played the uh, Marlboro guy, he died of lung cancer, I think. He would uh Yeah. Way back, <laughs> yeah, way, way back when I was a kid, I used to watch the commercial. I remember he was on a horse down by like a waterfall and the music would play and it it did light up a Marlboro. I believe he died of lung cancer from that. Yeah, I, I believe so too. And you know what's what's funny is, you know, how the doctors used to promote that and I remember in the 80s at uh a hospital here in Youngstown, they used to have a McDonald's inside the hospital. So it was like, yeah, go get your heart yeah. attack and you're already here for the treatment. <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh, so, you know, as, as Eddie was saying before, you know, we talk about, you know, health issues sometimes. That, you know, there it is. Don't smoke and don't eat McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that fast food crap, that's just bad for you, man. Very, yeah. very, very rarely do I do it. I mean, if I'm in a hurry, like between shows or something, I'll drive through. But I'll try to get like a get like a salad or a baked potato or something. You yeah, know? there you go. So, Eddie, <laughs> what, what's new over at House of the Unusual? You got some exciting things coming up. Yeah, I was noticing, talking about the health, uh, one of the exciting things I uh, have is that I'm actually trying to incorporate for all the listeners out there. I mean, we as collectors go to trade shows, we go to comic cons, and, you know, most of us are probably over 40. 
The problem with that is a lot of us go there and eat hot dogs and like Joe likes French fries. <laughs> problem is that that develops into a heart attack. So I actually have Dr. Boyajin and the uh, president of Local 621 uh, union guy. He's uh, actually for the workers and stuff. They're actually starting some type of cooking channel and they're going to be hosting the channel on House of the Unusual. I asked them to do so because this way our listeners can actually get some good advice on how to cook and eat healthy. This way we could, uh, uh, you know, last longer. And this way somebody out there can find me the seven foot robot. Plane. And when <laughs> they, they could drink. Them, you know, they could drink. <laughs> hey, I think that's, hey, I think that's a great idea, man. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Other than that, what I was going to say, you know, you guys are talking about the 13 ghosts and stuff is I got to admit the movie. I've never watched it. I've always been intrigued by it. And I bought the glasses for it years ago. But I don't know why I've just never watched it. Uh, I think I will do that probably today or tomorrow. Yeah, check it out. What I was going to tell you guys, which is interesting, when you guys talk about 13 Goals, there was a movie I saw a long time ago when I I was little. And I'll tell you what. Going to school, and I'm sure a lot of you guys remember Scholastic Book Club. Oh, yeah. I love Scholastic. They were cool. That was the most exciting. In the 70s, man, you always got to buy these haunted books. Yeah. A book with a magnifying glass inside. You had the Dynamite, which was always like the magazine that that bore like 3D glasses. I still buy those books when I could find them on eBay if they're like horror or sci-fi related. I got a whole mess of them, man. Yeah, well, you know what's so funny? There was one particular, the first Dynamite I ever got, I think was in 1972. And it was Lee Majors in the cover, the $6 million man. And it had inside a 3D poster of King Kong from the original King Kong movie over the Empire State Building. Oh, wow. And, the, the, the you know, the 3D glasses, that was actually the first time that I really ever got anything that was 3D. And the three glasses, uh, 3D glasses came in close to inside. When I got that book, it was so fascinating. It was like, wow, man, best book I ever had. And, of course, they had the $6 million man in the cover, which was my favorite show at the time. Yeah, that was a good show. But, Eddie, tell me the best thing wasn't sitting in class and seeing that scholastic, you know, book cart come rolling in. Well, I'll tell you what. I went yeah, you're right, further. Joe. Yeah, you're right. I, I, went, I went a step further. I used to love Scholastic Book Club so much. And then later it became, I think, Arrow, where it had bananas instead of dynamite. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, what happened... And this well, bananas was I think geared more like to the teenagers. Right. Dynamite was more for the younger generation. But what happened is that when I started my business in 1985, I actually had a magic shop in 1989, and around 1989, I I was so much I like I loved even to this day that so much that I actually called Scholastic Book Clubs and I told them that I I was going to be giving magic classes. And I needed for my students, and I actually became a member, and they would send me the the flyers for me to give out to my students. I was in heaven, man. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> but I'll tell you some of the greatest things about Scholastic, and I bought Scholastic up there because that's the first time I ever got introduced into three D glasses and all that stuff. So that's why I was always intrigued with the with the glasses the, from the Thirteen Ghosts and all that. But during that time. There were two particular books I bought. One of them was called uh, Mr. Corbett's. I think it was C-O-R-B-E-T-S, Magician. And it showed a little kid reading a book. The, the, the cover of the book was purple. It showed a kid with a flashlight going through a book. And out of the book emerged a ghost. And it's kind of like a specter that comes out of the book, is looking at the kid, and he has a magician's hat on. And Dracula teeth, which it kind of reminded me. If you guys remember Dynamite, in back of Dynamite, one of the great things Dynamite had was Count Morbida. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Dracula, the cartoon. Yep. And Count Morbida, obviously, they had a a one time a flexi record inside, which I also got and still have to this day because, you know, that's something that I, (laughs) I loved. And I actually, after the fire, I lost my original one and I was able to get it on eBay. But Cal Morbida, Morbida, I think it was M O R it was like Morbid, Morbida, right? He right. spoke like Bella Lagosi, which was funny. He had the accent. You can hear it on the 
on the Flexi record. And what I did is Mr. Corbett's Magician, that particular book was, I mean, had an awesome cover. And then there was another one called The Green Mystery, The Mystery of the Green Ghost or The Mystery of the Snow Ghost. Oh, I think I remember them. Yeah. That particular book had a cover and it was greenish. And in the cover, it showed like a, a girl looking sideways, like towards her back. And then you could see like a, a haunted house or a Victorian house way back. Somehow, when you looked at that book, and when I looked at the Count uh, Morbus Magician, which uh, Mr. Corbett's Magician, I'm sorry, which believe it or not, it took me a while to be able to regain that book because I lost mine in the fire. And I was able to get two or three copies on eBay, but it took me years trying to find it. And I finally found it because I couldn't really uh, remember the exact title. And of course, there were different covers to the book. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning this and the books and stuff is basically it's going to get down to the 13 ghosts here. But I'm just telling you a story of, you know, when I started getting intrigued by, you know, by movies like that with the ghosts. Well, anyway, at that time, one day I was watching television, I think in the mid 70s. And there was, um, I, I forget the name, but there was a ghost. He lived in a Victorian castle in England. There were two young kids that stayed in the house. And the ghost would appear at night and he walked with chains. And he looked like um, King Henry. Does that ring a bell, that movie? No, that doesn't ring a bell with me. And he would, I know he would go up and down screaming. And the kids weren't afraid of him. And he was like, why are you guys scared? And he would come in with chains. And that is the same time I bought those books. And you know what? They offer something interesting to me. One is the book I just said, The Snow Ghost, if I, I believe that was the title of that. And it was from Scholastic. Uh, and, you know, Scholastic sold. There was another book that actually came with a free magnifying glass. And it was called Looking Through Glass. And all those books, because of the free gift, I, I used to be fascinated. Like, I couldn't wait to get them. Oh, and yeah. And they were like a dollar, a dollar. You know, they were very cheap. But the thing is that the coziness that the cover showed, when I'm saying I grew up in Manhattan, came from Cuba in the early 60s, late 60s, actually, very young. New York City, most people didn't have color televisions yet. Most people had black and white TV at the time. No, you're right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So it was basically like living in the, it's kind of like the 1950s in New York, where it was kind of like leave it to Beaver and you would go home. It would be thundering, whatever. And I was inside the house with the rain in the building. I felt cozy. And when I would see books like, you know, from uh, like that particular one, Mr. Corbett's Magician or Abbott and Costello on television, one of the magic companies from comic books that really drew my attention to that feeling was American Circle Corp. And American Circle Corp, which is actually, like I told you guys, when I started the Fun Factory, uh, Lou Weiss originally had, um, who started the Fun Factory back in the 70s, uh, he started with the guy who ran American Circle Corp. He started with that, that guy the, that did all the artwork. And American Circle Corp, when you see the snowstorm tablets, uh, you see uh, the itching powder. It's always got a little guy in the front laughing. And you kind of see in the background, like with the snowstorm tablets, a guy yeah. sitting by a window. Well, somehow I related in my mind that scenario to being home in New York, 1960s, cozy, air conditioner on, raining outside or whatever, watching Abbott and Costello especially when you sat in the sofa and Abbott and Costello, the monsters will come out, you put your feet on top of the sofa. You want to make sure <laughs> down for whatever reason. Or if I was watching King Kong or Godzilla, you always got scared when the monsters. And you know what? That brought back to me a lot of childhood that I really treasured, you know? And Absolutely. anyway, when you guys started, I, I, I said all this story and I've talked about all this stuff that I just did now is because in the 19, about the 13 goals last week, uh, the Joe, I think that was the movie that you told people to watch. I started remembering all that stuff. 
And it reminded me because of the glasses, the 3D glasses that come with it or whatever it was. And in the article, you said that you can also use a regular 3D glasses with the green and blue frame, uh, which are the originals that I have a couple, who knows how many I have of them. But it, I just thought I'd bring that up to you guys because when I think of the 13 goals, I, it reminds me of the movie I'm talking about. And, you know, now come to think of it, I think it was called the Canterville Canterville Ghost. Does mm. it does does it ring a bell for any of you guys? Maybe of Canterbury. I think so. Is that the one that the ghost is dressed like uh, King Henry the Eighth? No, maybe we're thinking of something different. No, no, it's not hounds. It's something Canterbury or Canterville Ghost, and it's like I said, two kids. They they with the parents inherit a mansion. There's a ghost when they're sleeping in the bedroom. Okay. Um, oh, the the, the Canterville ghost. Okay, that's it. Correct. Yeah, oh, there correct. you go. And you want to know something that was creepy as hell too? That when I was growing up, it scared the heck out of me. One day I was watching, I think, in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh man, I love and this. There was stuff. one about ghosts, talking about like you know legendary ghosts and stuff like that, and they showed one particular ghost that the girl I think was sleeping in this Victorian home and she's sleeping down the hallway in a, in a room there. And she says when she opened up her eyes or something, she saw someone standing there. To this day, that thing kind of brings me the creeps. It makes my <laughs> hair stand when I think of it because it was kind of like a scary thing for me back in the day. And, you know, you guys know very clear. I mean, in the 1970s, when uh, before, you know, Halloween came out, I'm, I'm sorry, 1971, the movie Halloween didn't even exist. No, it didn't even you exist. You didn't have all non-psycho. None of those movies were out yet. So, when you watched anything, it was usually Alfred Hitchcock, you know, the old monsters like oh, you know, yeah. Bela Lugosi, Frankenstein. And the first, I think, one of the first horror films that ever came out were like Psycho. And then they had a Silent Scream, which I mentioned in a podcast a while back, which had a skull with all the worms coming out of it. And then movies started getting a little bit more grotesque, you know? But yeah. in the day, when you see, especially, I'll never forget this to this day. I don't know what movie it was, but I believe it was Alfred Hitchcock. And all the houses in the 1940s films and 50s always had a staircase that would go up like the House of the Monsters, where you'd be <laughs> in the bottom and the stair would go straight up to the house. And yeah. I think they, they use the same setting for a lot of films because it's mostly the same. Well, there's one that there's this guy who goes upstairs with a lady and then the guy kills the lady, but he grabs her in the shadow. You see him grab the woman and a knife go up and plunge down once or twice. <laughs> but you don't get to see the person. You just see a shadow. Easy that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> that, makes, that makes you go to sleep. And you're like, oh, oh my wait. gosh, you know? Oh, yeah. Hey, the thing that was funny, Eddie, what you mentioned yeah, way back in the late 60s, I remember you know what, like uh, my mom would watch, uh, the, the, you know, the soap opera General Hospital. And like they would say, stay tuned for General Hospital in color. It was like a big deal back then. It was like, this is going to be in color, man. You know what I mean? Because very, very few people had color sets back then. They, they didn't. It, no. And then, when it went in, and then when it went into about 1974, 75, I remember, you know, home on a Sunday night before I went into school the next day. I just took a bath and I sat down and watched the movie. It was like the Sunday night uh, movie of the week or something. And that was when Trilogy of Terror came on with Karen Black. And I'll tell you what, you talk about scaring the crap out of you, man. Wow. That was the biggest uh, conversation the next day at school. We, we were in about maybe fifth or sixth grade. And that's another really, really cool, cool movie. And there's three sub stories in there. And if there's any listeners that haven't ever watched that, check it out. It's called the Trilogy of Terror. Karen Black plays all three different roles in there. It's an excellent, excellent movie. You know, you know something that was also that in 1973, I think that the first, the first television we had here in 1968 was a big, uh, I think it was, if I remember, RCA. And it, the cabinet had four legs. I think that the, it was a big screen TV. It was 23 inches. Oh, they were I huge. remember. Yeah. Or oh, 27 inches. And it had a glass in front of the tube. And then you had that big giant knob with the yeah. light behind the number. 
yeah. <laughs> that would go like kum, kum, kum. <laughs> and you only had like you know from channels two to thirteen and and you pull the button in and out. Well, here's the story. In 1976, my stepfather got the first color television for us, okay? And it was a television set that somebody actually threw out in his job that gave it to him because a color TV set was like a thousand bucks. And who the heck has got a thousand bucks for Yeah, right. So we get it, and it has a remote control. Now, the remote control only works for turning the TV channel. It doesn't work for turning it on and off. You still have to go to the TV and press the button on and off because it's one of those buttons you push in and out. Right. Now, the sound was sonic control. It had like a tin that made a sound. So when you were going to change the TV, you had four buttons. I forgot one thing was, I think, volume up and down. Mm-hmm. And one was channel up and one was channel down. And when you press the button, it went like ping, ping, and the TV would change. But if you had a fire engine outside go off or something, the high pitch would change the channel on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. something. And that's what I had. But but you know, when you're saying trilogy of terror, yeah. You just brought that back to me. I haven't seen that in probably 40 years, Chuck. I'll tell you what, man, that is such a cool idea. And that was like before CGI. You know what? Dan Curtis, who Dark Shadows, he did a lot of the he uh, did a lot of the puppetry. He uh, directed, you know, like the little Zuni doll. Uh, that was all like puppetry and stuff that they just watch the angles from you know that was way before cgi and everything i tell you what that scared the crap out of me man that was that was just such a good that was such a good story what what about the one that said we current we controlled the horizontal what was that oh that was it was outer limits outer limits yeah. yeah yeah is that the one also that had the uh yeah the outer limits were the ones with like the um oscilloscope lines yeah green. yeah right right yeah, yeah that was that was probably one that was I loved Outer Limits, man. That was that was a great show. I mean, yeah, it, was, it was only what I think two seasons, three, three, or no, seven seasons. No, was it how many seasons? I, I have was the that? original the original Outer Limits. I have a set. It's a three season box set. Two no two se. I'm just looking it up now. Two seasons, forty nine episodes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my but god, man. I, yeah, it seems like it went a lot longer, but because they were probably probably because they were hour long episodes. But man, talk about some some good sci-fi stuff with some good a you know cool looking aliens and all that i i remember what was the one that i think it was the xanti misfits where the little insects with like the the people looking faces i remember that, you, that one yeah i remember that, <laughs> that <was> yeah cool. <laughs> which is the one that the nurses remember they're looking at uh everybody's got their face covered and uh, they're looking at it was that the twilight zone or the yeah twilight that was zone? twilight zone you know oh, what I'm was... talking about? That they're all monsters, but they're actually there in outer space, and they're looking at a human, and everybody's <laughs> happened to the human, and and I think their faces were all disformed. Yeah, I tell like you, I'll tell you what, the Twilight Zone, man, that that that's my ultimate. I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of Rod Serling. I mean, he wrote about 65 percent of the shows. You, you know, there there was there was other writers, uh, you know, that did write things, but he was. Man, that guy was way ahead of his time. Oh my goodness, he was un—he was unreal. But there was another series. I think I talked about this prior to coming on tonight. It was called Thriller, hosted by Boris Karloff, and that—that that was really good too. That was excellent. There were some really good stories on there. And what was cool about it is—is is when you look at the old the old actors. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bill Shatner was on a a few of those episodes as well. He was on a few of the Twilight Zones. It was like they just used these actors. They shuffled them off to different studios and they and they act in a different series you know um which one do you think joe or chuck which one do you think was first the oldest um because when you look at the veil thriller um twilight zone outer limits they all kind of had the same format so i'm, I'm just wondering same, yeah they got the same format maybe you know what it seems to me outer limits is pretty early i mean that seems like it might be one of the first ones i don't know i could be wrong but it seems to me that Outer Limits is really pretty early. If you check, uh, them, Joe, if you Twi- Twilight it. Zone was out first in '59, and then Outer Limits started in '63. Oh, really? really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. What about did you? Did any of you guys see the Twilight Zone, the new, uh, the new ones, the new series that came out a few years ago? Oh yeah. It seems like every ten years or so they come out with a new Twilight Zone series. Yeah, that, you know? I got my favorite was the one in the plane. Remember the guy in the plane? I forgot what it was, and the plane was compromised and oh i love it yeah there was a uh, there was a gremlin on on the wing and uh was the original story with william shatner 
and nobody believed them. And uh, yeah, that was an excellent story. But yeah, they come out with a new Twilight Zone series. You know, um, uh, uh, is it Jordan Peele? I believe just came out with a series a, a couple years ago. And uh, you know what? A few of the stories were good, but most weren't too good. You know, hey, you know what? If you're going to try and fill Rod Serling's shoes. That's a big task. I mean, let's face it. That's a yeah. They they need to just leave Twilight Zone alone. I I didn't watch any of his. I'm not a, really a big fan of of anything he does besides his comedy. Yeah, but right. I know they did a a Twilight Zone. I I think it was um an hour long. Was it maybe the 90s or so? If, yeah, if they, I'm... They, yeah, they always did it every 10 years or so. Yeah, they, that wasn't that good either. I think they were hour long. Yeah, uh, episodes. I'm trying to look it out now. This, yeah, 85 to 89. That's it. That's it. Yeah, they weren't that good. They were about hour long episodes, and I just, I mean, there yeah. were some of them that were okay, but a few. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just too much of a fan of the original ones to, yeah. to get into those. But I, I did like the, uh, I did, however, like the 80s movie. Man, oh, that was, neat. That was yeah, cool. I, I think mainly because I was young when I seen it, so it's kind of like a nostalgic movie for me yeah. and i tell you what the the beginning really scared i remember being scared as heck as a kid you know when those two were riding in the car and he says you want to see something really scary yeah. and he turns around his face is all crazy yeah wasn't that dan Aykroyd and somebody else i can't remember who but the, i think it was dan Aykroyd, if i'm not mistaken he was driving I, I, i'm trying to look up now yeah albert brooks and dan Aykroyd. that's it that's it well, albert brooks yep. yeah but i tell you what the i there were some good stories in there. I mean, you had the um, oh, absolutely the one about the um, what was it, the concentration camp? I, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the one I really liked was the kick the can. I thought that was a really good yeah, one. It was a real good one. with the old guys. Yeah, yeah you know, and it's almost kind of sad because you know that you you could all you know you want to be young again, and then but you know you go back to that life of where you you're in bed, you can't move that much, and you kind of have this nostalgic look back at you know how your life used to be I, I thought it was a good a good segment but you know pretty sad yeah it yeah. is sad it is sad hey uh i i got something talking about all this stuff it's about rocket man and i know this if any of our listeners out there know you know our our joe our host here joe the one that makes this show happen and chuck well chuck uh, unfortunately joe was abducted by aliens many years ago <laughs> and he was placed in the earth again and you know he still doesn't remember exactly all the stuff that happened. But, Joe, the news is I read in the paper about a week ago, and we talked about when we were talking about UFOs, not to change the subject here, but now that we were talking about all these old films and stuff, it, it came to my attention. The The guy that they had reported seeing 3,000 feet in the air over the Los Angeles airport, that supposedly was a guy in a jetpack, they found out what it was. It was actually a kite. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, I didn't want to break your bubble because I know you were hoping <laughs> it would have been one of those uh, aliens that gave technology to mankind, and there was some guy hey, I just, three thousand feet up in the air. You know. I tell you what, I just don't want to get probed if I get abducted. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Joe, what was your incident after you were abducted? What actually happened to you? I ended up here at House of the Unusual. <laughs> I mean, one more unusual. Look at this. We have magic. We have monsters. We have mayhem. And now we have a health channel, too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. It's you great, can't man. get more unusual than that. <laughs> and and yeah. I know Todd is listening over there. Because, you know, as we all know, Todd has been, you know, he's there. He's doing his recovery. Uh, he's... Uh, He's been punishing a couple of the those sea monkeys that did, you know, that weren't doing too good when he was uh, behind. I think he should be back soon, and we should have him in the show here. All right, uh, good. We, we could ask him what it felt like to go beyond and back, you know? You remember that movie, Beyond and Back, Chuck? Remember oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. It showed all the people that left and came back again. I remember that. That was, what was really that about? I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. I tell you what, that 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 scared the hell out of me. I saw that at the theater when I was, well, that was like about maybe 1973, 74, somewhere around there. 74, I think it was. Yep. 74. Yep. Scared the hell out of me, man. Hey, what, was, what was the premise of the movie? Uh, people dying and coming back to life. Yeah, like what happens after you die? You know what? Like it showed when good people die, it showed when bad people die. It said when people, it, it, it showed people that committed suicide, what happens? I mean, 
it's it's it scared me, man. It's that, that sounds me. almost like a a made for TV type movie where they're they're trying to scare you into a, a new religion or something. Like yeah, that. I was I was scared, man. And the other thing, the only other thing that scared me that bad was uh, The Exorcist. When I saw that, when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, scared the hell out of me. I couldn't sleep for a long time. And uh, and and, and Doctor Fives freaked me out, man. <laughs> they will pay for what they did to Victoria. Yeah, it scared the hell pay. out of me. Vincent Price played that role so good, man. He scared the hell out of me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You know what? That's what I like about Vincent Price. He always has that, uh, like you know, like the last man on earth. Yeah, uh, it's just the way he talks. You know, he, he just brings, uh, puts Seriously. a lot of heart of his heart into his. Uh, oh my acting, goodness! You know? You're now, not kidding. Beyond and Back, uh, Joe was not really a scary movie, but it would, you know, like what Chuck is saying, it was kind of scary because of what you think would happen. But you know what? In the 1970s, there was this right after, I guess. Uh, the show In Search Of, which was so popular with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I loved In Search Of. That was like the best. A lot of shows were made like Bigfoot was one of them. Yeah. Um, You know, and then they had, and you know what inspired all this was uh, the first Bigfoot movie ever made. What was that called, Uh, Chuck? You remember? Boogie? Boggy Creek? Yeah, Yeah, Legend of Boggy Creek. Yeah, that was like, yeah. Boggy Creek, and then they, but the Bigfoot, In Search of Bigfoot, I think was the name of the movie, and then they had Beyond and Back, then they had one about the late great planet Earth, which was very well done, was it was narrated by um, Orson Welles. Oh, that was by Hell, Hell Lindsay came up with the whole yeah. series of books, right, I remember that. Yep. That's right, Hell Lindsay, The End of the World, and right. all this. And Oh yeah, that that scared the hell out of me too, I remember, that was, that was terrifying when I was a kid. And well, all, all we remember at the time was Joe screaming because he was adopted. They had him up there. He's like, Help, help, get I tell you what, me doing these shows all these years, I've driven in some desolate places. I mean, I was driving in these back roads already with just fences on each side, and there was cows looking over the fences. It was in pitch black, no no street lights. And I'm thinking, man, I hope I don't get abducted if these things. <laughs> <laughs> like, Where the heck am I going, man? Yeah, I was scared, man. I was thinking, oh no, because nobody's gonna believe me. You know, my wife's gonna say, okay, sure, you yeah. <laughs> know. Yeah, because that's I mean, especially when you're in the dark. Like when I went to Florida and the freaking road right now, you're like, what the heck? Where's <laughs> mankind here? You know. Hey, but you mentioned in search of man. I used to watch that religiously, and the one thing that stuck in my mind, man, I'm thankful I got to see this two years ago, was Coral Castle. And um, man, that is such an amazing place. Uh, you know what? I would highly recommend. That's 30 miles south of Miami on Dixie Highway. My, you know, my wife and me went to Miami two years ago, and so so we did it on my birthday, January 25th. And so she said, well, let's go to Coral Castle. It's uh, 30 miles south. Man, that was the best birthday birthday I've ever had. It's fantastic. The, uh, yeah, well, I, I've, I'll tell you guys down to uh, this coming Tuesday. On Monday, I'm going to be traveling down to Florida. Oh, man. And I'm actually going to go to Cor- Coral Castle. And oh, my goodness. See, you know, I can film for our audience and do a live cast if I could from there. If not, you know, I'll film up and. And showed the Coral Castle. Oh, I'm going to try God. to lift up the uh, the gate by with one hand, you know, <laughs> to show the human strength that I possess at the House of the Unusual. But um, yeah, that's one of the things, and it was inspired by Chuck. Oh, he man. told me you, to go there, and I said, you know, that's a great idea. You will have you will have a blast. You know what? The guy that built that, his name is Ed Leedskin, and and uh, they have a life of him. He was like five foot tall. Maybe about ninety-eight pounds. You know, I'm like five foot ten, five eleven. I tower over him, and I'm like two hundred and thirty pounds. And he's he's so little and skinny. It's just amazing. This guy built this thing. I mean, we're talking, you know, big slabs of coral that he cut up, cut and hoisted up. You know, twenty tons each, and he and he built it. I think back when Hurricane was it Andrew? I'm not sure the name of the hurricane hit back about fifteen years ago. I mean, almost that whole area got wiped out except for Coral Castle because it's so heavy. It just it just wasn't touched, you know. Oh, wow. uh, but, yeah, I mean, but Joe, if you have a chance to go there, man, you will not believe it what this guy did. It's just unreal. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. It looks really, really cool. 
Oh, what wasn't that uh, when they say uh, 98 pound weekly? Isn't that yeah, what? it's a 98 pound week. You know, I was so excited in there that, that you know, the once I once I walked through the gift shop when I was done, I forgot my tablet and, and, and I was getting in the car. And a guy who was honest come out, sir, sir, you forgot your tablet. I was so excited, I've never been excited <laughs> before. <laughs> that sounds like the Charles Atlas hats, 90 pound. <laughs> 98-pound weakling, you know? Yeah, he was so skinny. <laughs> this guy was so skinny, and he was emaciated. Wait do you see? You won't believe it. I mean, I don't know. You know, it seems like that even modern-day engineers can't even um, replicate what he, what he did. I was reading an article, actually, when you told me to look up, and I think I mentioned it earlier before the show. Uh, the article stated that, you know, the friend of the guy, of this Ed Lee, whatever his name is, right? Uh, he stated that he, was, he spent many evenings with him while he was working late into the night. Mm-hmm. And that he used pulleys. He used because right. uh, 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 they said the guy was a uh, you know pretty smart. Yes, he was and very he was intelligent. To, and, and he said that when people bring to the fact to the castle that there was some type of psychic or alien uh, concept to it, he says it kind of. This is what the guy wrote his friend. It kind of is disrespectful to Ed Leesky because he considered hard work, and you know he was not a guy in. But in that case, I, I, if you guys are aware, he also wrote a couple of books where it said yeah. that the government or something was making people lazy. By not, I forgot what it was, but there are a couple like weird um, mm-hmm, subjects mm-hmm. he wrote on or yeah. that they were trying to make women weak. Uh, yeah. I think you know, that was one thing they were saying. Oh, go ahead. You know what? The gift shop sells those little booklets, Eddie. Make sure you buy them. I mean, you're, you... You will be amazed at the stuff. You'd be amazed at the stuff he wrote in there. It's actually by today's standards really funny. I mean, but the guy was very, very intelligent. You know, I mean, I mean, the actual door doesn't spin anymore. That collapsed in like maybe 1987, and then the uh, Florida, uh, the engineering students from from the from the college came and they fixed it. It lasted about maybe like 11 more years. It collapsed again, so it's just sitting there. You know, but the one door. When you first walk in, if it's still up, it's a metal door. Ed had on there uh, the, uh, the the solar system, and uh, and he had on there 22,000 written on there. And you know what? He was right. Every 22,000 years, I believe it is, uh, scientists have determined that the Earth, uh, uh, the, the Earth are actually, it'll, it'll change its, uh, you know, the polarity. It'll go from north to south to south to north. So how did Ed know this? I mean, there was things that this guy knew. It was just unbelievable. You well, know, you know what we have to see though is when, in fact, now you're even making me think more. I should make this into a special just there instead of like a live cast. Oh, do it. Do film, it. film the area and get books and get a couple of things. The castle and uh, you know learn a little bit more because I remember seeing it in In Search of with Leonard Nimoy way back in the day. Yep, that was that was 1980, Eddie, and, and that was how long I wanted to see this. It took me 40 years, and by the grace of God, I was able to see it before I die. <laughs> you know, the another thing that I wanted to tell you when you're saying, you know, th- that particular thing, you know, uh, there was a lot of things in search of that. One of the things again, the Oak Island Treasure, which is right now in its ninth season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm I'm amazed that they can actually have nine seasons of finding bits and pieces instead of like just digging up the darn thing and figure out what's down there, you know, <laughs> but, but they've been pushing this to the limit, man. Oh, to the limit. And, and right now, I'm, I mean, I was watching the two hour episode special and I, again, I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, they start, they, they even like the guy who talks already who's getting annoying a bit. Cause I mean, I do love the show, but he goes back. Oh, COVID. Who can you know, look, we're not talking about COVID here. You know, yeah, we're yeah. talking about, can you find the treasure? Yeah, just waiting nine years. Where's the treasure? I'm about yeah, to- yeah. Keep on drilling, man. Keep on digging. But they apparently been finding this year that there's a lot of gold in the water or something, or so they definitely there's something definitely down there. But oh, definitely, definitely. The problem is by the time they find it, with all the millions they spent, I wonder if it's you know if it's going to be equal oh, yeah. value. Well, you know what? I mean, the bottom line, you know what? The way I feel, there there are things that we can't explain. I mean, we we don't know everything. You know what? You know uh, when you go to Coral Castle, Eddie, they're going to show you Ed Lee Scannon's workshop. And the thing that uh, that amazed me was he has tuning forks hanging up on his wall, and I'm talking big honking tuning forks. I mean, they're like bigger than your hand. What on earth would that man be doing with tuning forks? I tell you what, 
I mean, I mean, like most people think it's just done with pulleys and so forth, which I mean, which that does that, you know, what that, that uh, does explain some of it, but it's just a 98 pound guy, no matter how many uh, fulcrums you use or whatever, you're only going to exert so much strength. You know what? It seems to me, I mean, I'm mean, like, you, I mean, you guys may think I'm, think I'm crazy, but it's sound harmonics. You know what? I used to, I used to write papers on this for like different call, you know, when I was in college and so forth, you know, I think it's a lot. You know what? Like, I think if you if you turn into a certain if you hit a tuning fork, you know, the real big ones into a certain vibration, you know what? And Ed built that whole thing on certain ley lines. It seems like it'll actually make things almost weightless. You know, I mean, I mean, that's the way it seems to me, because what on earth would this man be doing with he has like 15 gigantic tuning forks he built hanging up on his wall up in his workshop. Well, here's the question. Uh, Joe, you're the you're the science guy. Could you explain? Well, Joe, I don't know nothing about Joe, that. Wake up. <laughs> I think it. <laughs> I think it. I, I've you know listened to a lot of talk shows about it and, and videos, and a lot of people seem to think you know, like Chuck said, it is the you know some kind of sounds that were used or harmonics. Um, because yeah, I, I believe this, it was. Uh, I think so, <laughs> yeah, I think somebody was was trying to say that he used pulleys and all that, but when they kind no, they of have pictures, pulleys he was using. Right, right. He, I mean, I mean, yeah, I believe he he used pulleys for some of the stuff, but for I believe thing. others were they they're saying harmonics. But remember, this was 1923 when he started building the castle. And apparently, I think it was the reason uh, he had uh, he separated from his girlfriend, and he wanted to be a, an accomplished man, which he right. did. But uh, I don't think he had much schooling, much anything. And so we're talking 1930s here. We're not talking, you know, unless there's a possibility that he's the guy that that actually found the aliens from the 1947 <laughs> Roscoe crash. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, but that's the second Coral Castle. Did you know that? Uh, the, the first one was called Rock Gate. He actually moved it because he said it wasn't on the proper ley lines. It was about 20 miles away, the first one he built. He actually Packed, packed up and moved Coral Castle. You know what? There was a like there was a few friends of his that had flatbeds, and he told them to park the flatbed overnight each time. And then he had that. Look, you, you know, you should see. You shouldn't have said that because now people are going to know it was flatbeds. You could have said he moved them mentally. Well, I mean, I mean, but but the problem <laughs> is, I mean, but the question is, how did he get them on the flatbed? Because he had a, you know, like he had his friend park the vehicle overnight, and then in the morning. It was all loaded up, and then so he would make several trips down the highway. You know? Yeah, he I mean, wouldn't let anybody there at night while he was right was putting right. him on the flatbed. And yeah, I mean, you know, you said well, nineteen twenties, but you know, I think a lot of people look and say, oh, you know, that was almost a hundred years ago. We couldn't have, have had that, you know, technology. But you look back thousands and thousands of years. There's technology that was used then that we oh my goodness you know we don't know about now or we're just you know rediscovering yeah i tell you what i tell you what the pyramids look at the big you know the big blocks and they're and they're put together so fine that you can't put a you can't put a business card between it you know even yeah like like uh what's that down in south america machu picchu Picchu. you look at some of the the blocks and how how well they're fit together where you can't get a piece of paper in them exactly hey uh in uh, bolivia uh, uh there's a place called puma punco and uh, you know what? Each each piece of the gigantic rock is cut like an H, and it fits together like a puzzle. I mean, how the heck did they do that five thousand years ago? I don't know. And, I, mean, and I think down there, it's either Machu Picchu or, or Puma Punku, one of those that they've even found uh, rocks that have that weren't used. That it looks like there's like laser cuts in them or exactly. Cuts. Yeah, they're they're actually sharp. They're actually yeah. sharp to this day, Joe. You run your finger, you could get cut. And you know, and it wouldn't be that that difficult. And I believe someone was talking about it before on a program I seen where you could get, you can make a saw blade and hook it up where you know you're turning it manually, almost like a right you know, on on a bicycle where you would just replace the wheel with the saw blade and you would use it that way. But still, you're you're talking about these cuts that are so fine that you can't get a piece of no. paper in them. You know, it's I, I think that a lot of times we look at these people from you know even you know, thousand years ago, 10,000 years and say, well, they're just, you know, the, these people that went around and they clubbed their woman and they hunted for food. But I think there was a lot more to them that, 
that was lost over the years and we're kind of rediscovering it even with medicine i'm i'm sure dr roberto knows you know years ago or even hundreds thousands of years ago oh, herbs yeah they were using herbs and everything and and that kind of went by the wayside because pharmaceuticals they're making billions of dollars but oh, a man. lot of people are starting to rediscover you know the benefits of vitamins minerals and herbs oh, and everything man. so it, it's something that's you know coming back around and absolutely hey i just have an open mind is what i'm saying i don't want to yeah absolutely I, you know what you know what i don't want to discredit right away i kind of want to look at things and examine stuff you know what when you're getting back to herbs when i was a kid i mean real young you know what like you know like if i had a chest cold some kind of mixture together mustard plaster and then she would lay a like a like a compress on my chest and mix this stuff it looked like it looked like yellow mustard it was hot she laid on my chest and that would pull the congestion out. It was unbelievable, you know, and that's an old family remedy type of thing. I mean, you don't even hear about it anymore. That had to be 50 years ago, you know, so there, yeah. So there's, there's stuff that's been around that can aid people. It's just not the antibiotics we have now and stuff and everything. There's different, uh, yeah. you know, there's different alternative medicines, right? You know, uh, when we're talking about all this and stuff and, and when you're saying ancient time, you guys just bought, what is uh, Joe or Chuck? What's the name of that place in California that has a lot of uh, dinosaurs? Is it the Flair or the the Libra or something like that? What's the name of that place? Oh, the La Brea Tar Pits. Oh, okay, La Brea. The La Brea. Right. They made a TV show. I actually caught it the other night uh, after the blacklist uh, that I was watching the ninth season, and I wound up spending the two nights watching three episodes per night and going to sleep at six in the morning, <laughs> which I regretted later. But um. Actually, I think now they're up to the seventh ep, uh, show. It's there's a family in La Brea, uh, California, and there's like this woman and her daughter and her son are walking like in this thing, and then all of a sudden a sinkhole starts forming and buildings start falling into the sinkhole. And you know what? What was really interesting is when they fell into the sinkhole, they fell through a light to Los Angeles, ten thousand years BC. So her husband or her ex-husband uh, was seeing vision before her and the husband separated because they thought he was nuts for like four years prior to this incident. And apparently the government knew about it and they were hiding it that, you know, that there was actually that they knew that they, the people there that had fallen through the light were probably in, in the past. And um, it was very interesting because what, what the husband did to prove that the visions he was seeing after his wife fell through uh, to the scientist, is he went to a place and dug up her ring that she lost because he saw her in, in you know, 10,000 BC, uh. saw her what she was doing, and he dug up her ring because now remember, we're in modern day and this was 10,000 years ago. And when they did a, a sampling, it, it stated that the ring was 10,000 years old. And um, so they're still, so he's trying to go through the, the sinkhole with a special plane to retrieve the people that fell through. And it's, you know what, the show, the premise of the show and the idea of the show is kind of cool. Oh, that's interesting. I, I got to admit, though, after the second or third episode, I kind of got sold into it. It's a little okay, but, you know, it's better than one that, if you guys remember about two or three years ago, there was one that it was a plane that took off. The idea behind the show was phenomenal. A plane takes off when it lands. It actually landed two years later. Uh, and it, 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 I don't know if you guys remember that. I forgot the name of it. It was, I think, in history. No, not in history. I think the show was on uh, NBC or something. I forgot the name of the show. But let me tell you, the show was horrible. It was a show with a great idea, a great writing script for the beginning. But the show was horrible. It should have never even be, been aired. It was one of those garbage I mean, one of the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen on television. <laughs> but oh. this one, though, the La Brea, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on its first season right now. I would suggest out. watch the pilot episode. Okay. Uh, I think, Chuck, I mentioned it to you last week when we were talking. That you told me to see. Um, yeah, Squid Games. That's Squid another Games, one. That's right. Oh, my goodness. You have to see Squid Games. It's a it's a Netflix original series. My oh, younger, that's a crazy show. Yeah. Uh, my my youngest son recommended it, and I didn't think I'd like it, but my wife and I got hooked. It's one season. I hope they make a second one. This will blow your mind. Oh my! What goodness. is it about, Chuck? Like, yeah, they got a second season that's going to be coming out. 
Yeah, because you know what? The ending was ambiguous. They kind of left it open, so I figured that, you know. But go ahead, Joe, if you want to tell them what, it's, uh, what the premise is. It's amazing. It's it's basically a and it takes place in uh, Korea and it's a mysterious guy who gets these people that are in debt and he gets them to come to this this kind of mysterious facility. He blindfolds you know blindfolds them and then gasses them. They wake up this mysterious facility and they're just given numbers and they have to compete in these games that they all knew from their childhood. But when you lose at the game, you end up getting killed. So you could either die during the game, or if you lose, one of the people that work for this guy will um, will kill them. And it goes on. The, each time somebody dies, the pot gets filled with more money. So the last person gets, you know, gets the pot full of money. So it, it go each episode. It's it's different games, and it's going through how the players deal with, you know going through you know death and you know having to go through these games of skill and and luck and it, it's real wild i mean it's you know they said that it was very graphic and all that and yeah there's some graphic scenes but it's it's no more graphic than you know you watch a slasher movie or something yeah, like that yeah. you know i'm gonna tell you the first thing and i'm sure my friend jim who's listening to this podcast a shout out to jim and uh, charlie there again and, and luke is my little grandson but I, I guarantee you one thing I'm going to tell you, man. That sounds like Into the Dragon with Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. That, that's um, exactly what you guys just wrote up. Yeah, this. you're right. Oh, man, I love Into the Dragon. Oh, Yeah, that, that's what it, it brought up. But um, yeah. How did uh, you like it, Joe? Did you like it? Yeah, I, I actually thought it was really – I actually thought it was really good. And um, I, I kind of – I don't want to give too much away here for people that haven't seen it, but I kind of figured – out who the mysterious guy was um you know what you know what during yeah about the third or fourth episode when they introduced um another character i kind of figured out who it was and then um you know there's a group of people that come to the island i don't want to say too much again but i kind of figured out their thing the the storyline it's very it's very simplistic and we've seen this storyline before in, in movies and shows but it's it's still good what i'm excited for is the second season because at the end yeah they really set it up for a second season yeah they kind of left it open but it, it's definitely going towards a second season which i believe they already announced and i would like to see more on how the person who the guy in the black mask who runs the island how he got in that position because it seems like he wasn't the first one to to do no, that. Well, um, and, and well, I don't want to get I don't want to get too much into the story because there's parts in there that shows how the guy in the black mask got there, but he's definitely not the first one to hold that position. Well, so I'd like um, to see how the next one gets into that position. I have an idea on how it's it's going to happen, right? Um, well, but I'm to, yeah, I'm gonna wait till the second season to, to see if uh, I'm right. To any listener out there, uh, right now, before we start uh, talking about our guest and we start telling you guys about the different friends of us that listen to us each week and we want you guys to help out. Um, if you like, uh, Joe, for a fee of $15, we'll tell you who the guy is. His email <laughs> yeah. will be found below. And uh, he wants to... <laughs> I'm, sure mostly, I'm sure mostly everybody knows by now because mostly everybody's seen it it was what the most popular show in in the world for a while and i believe it's still in the top 10 on on netflix it's like usually number two or three sometimes still number one so Joe, I, I believe... well, what do, what why don't you do what uh ralph crandom did when he tells his mother-in-law not to tell about the play and then she gives him the ending of the play he goes you are a blabber yeah <laughs> yeah that's but crazy. hey we're gonna we gotta wrap things up here we got about a minute left so uh, Eddie and Chuck, thanks for joining us. All of our listeners out there, thank you again for joining us and joining us every week. We have a podcast every week, comes out every Thursday. Uh, so definitely check us out on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Subscribe to our channel. Give us a, a good review if you so choose, if you like what we're talking about. Even if you don't, give us a good review because it helps us out. And uh, if, if you have any ideas for topics or something that you want to hear, Head over at houseoftheunusual.com. Uh, drop us a line there in, in the form or send us an email. Uh, you could reach us right on there. Everything's there for you, easy to get to. 
Uh, definitely check out the forum because there's always some cool stuff going up there. I just posted some new pictures of some toys I got. So head over to the forum under the, uh, I believe it's the, the mail call section. I posted some uh, Ben Cooper jiggler figures that I just got in the mail, a witch, a Frankenstein monster, a devil, and a skeleton. So they're, they're super cool. I was very excited to get those along with the, uh, the Dracula figure that I, I got uh, a few days ago as well. Um, there's a, another section there for books. Show us your books, man. We're all, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge book guy. I'm, I'm going to be posting some more, you know, we were talking about scholastics. So I want to post some scholastics. So definitely check that, that out. And we're down to about five seconds. So thanks for joining us and stopping by and we'll see you next week, guys. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks guys. Good night, God, God bless. Bye-bye.